Hey guys, uh, this is Sonny Angelo with Century 21 President Realty. We're here in Oakville today and we're going to be visiting my good friend Raymond Diaz with EMA Mortgages. Um, we're going to be asking him frequently asked questions that we get for mortgages and real estate. So come join me inside and let's get the show on the road. Hey Raymond, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been a long time. We haven't seen each other in God knows how long. I know, no problem. Uh, yeah. no problem. Thank you for for coming and visiting us. Yeah. When last time I saw you, you were like 10, 15, 20 pounds lighter. Probably about 40, but you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, who's counting, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, congratulations. You've also joined EMA Mortgages, so I see you got a huge team growing, doing a lot of big things, so super excited for you. That's awesome. Thank you, thank you. I mean, you know, we're lucky being in our industry, we get to work. A lot of people in, in you know, during the pandemic uh, are not able to. When, Love the fact that we're able to help a lot of people and no different than your industry being in real estate. I, I've seen that you've done really, really well last year and right, you've been able you. to assist a lot of clients. Tell me about it. Basically, I'll be honest with you, the last few years has been absolutely phenomenal. Like, it's been crazy. Um, we've been putting in a lot of hard work though, but we've been getting the results. So what's been happening is, it just I just started implementing stuff that I've known and just being genuine and kind of incorporating things I've done in my past. And what that's been able to do is differentiate my business. Right, so I'm not sure if you know. If you know, a few years ago, I actually flipped houses in uh, London, Ontario. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I've uh, bought a few properties in London, Ontario. Um, just moved there, started living there for six months, and we started renovating. Never renovated houses in my life. Had knew nothing about this, and I just kind of jumped into it. So, are these detached properties, sandies, townhouses? What so are we looking at here? The first house we did uh, was a disaster. It was uh, in Westmount, <laughs> and what it was basically was we uh, got a house. We it was supposed to be a quick flip. Yeah. We got, biggest mistake I made was I got emotionally attached. I think I, I made that into my forever home yeah. and we overspent, our timeline took way too long, but hands down one of the best learning experiences I've ever had in my life. So if I had to ask you and say, hey, you know, before you started the reno versus, to, versus where you are now, what would be that one, one thing you gotta tell yourself if you're able to go back in time and say, hey, Sonny, make sure you don't make this mistake. So. For flipping houses, I've actually guided my clients because I'm a big believer in practicing what you preach. Yeah. So I would never tell someone to do something if I haven't done it myself, right? I know some people will tell people, like some realtors will tell their clients to buy a house, but they're renting. And I'm like, you can't tell your clients to buy a house if you're renting yourself, right? You need to practice what you preach. But um, yeah, so with regards to flipping houses or any of those kind of investments, it's timelines are huge. You can't take too long because carrying costs of a property hurts you. And I, I experienced that firsthand. Um, my carrying cost for that first property was almost about 30,000. It was a high interest loan as well, right? So that, that definitely eats into your profits uh, and it's something that definitely hurts. Secondly, hire the right people. You need, you need a team. Um, plumbers and electricians, I 100% will hire licensed people and they have to know their stuff and you get what you pay for. I'm a big believer in that as well. And do your research. So a lot of times what I've noticed is in real estate, the value is actually in the buy. So if you buy the property under market value, that's the true value. Things you do to it, the aesthetics and all that kind of stuff does help you, um, but the buy has to be there. You have to get it on a good price. And then you hire me and I'll get you the top price to sell it, right? But that's about it. Um, so if I have a prospect or uh, a client that wants to invest and you know they're asking me, what, uh, who do I need to talk to? What do I need to do? What are the areas you should we be looking at? I know you invested in London. Are there any other areas that, that you see uh, uh, as an opportunity for, for certain uh, people to go look at? 
Yeah, definitely. So it, it comes down to the type of investment you want. Are you looking to get something and then uh, dispose of it quickly? Do you want to buy and hold on to it? Do you want to buy something to add value to it? Um, definitely different types of properties, diff different types of investments. Um, some people are looking for cash flow. So you'll see, in the, I've seen in the, in the about last year and a half, um, a lot of buyers are starting going towards multifamily homes, so multiplexes, right? Prices of those have skyrocketed. Um, some people want to buy it and then flip, but to be honest with you, in today's market, I don't see a lot of flipping happening. Prices are too high, there's not much inventory, so you're typically paying top dollar for a home. And if you're not buying it for the right price or buying it under market value, then you're not gonna make much money when you actually flip it. And when right? we were talking earlier, you said a lot of your clients are first-time home buyers. Uh, what are the, uh, the pointers that, you should, uh, that we should know about, uh, about first-time home buyers? So with first-time home buyers, um, you know what, today's market's actually really, really difficult. It's, um, I've seen a lot of buyers are getting really frustrated. So you're going out, you're losing out on bids. Inventory is really low right now. So you're seeing multiple offers on almost every single listing. I think every single listing that's coming up, or majority of them, are holding offers. So if you're a first-time home buyer, you're gonna be a bit reluctant from, uh, for bidding, overpaying, and you're not familiar with the process, right? And you're a bit reluctant. So I do empathize with first-time home buyers and even buyers in general right now, but you need the right guidance. So I think 100% this is where you would come into play. You gotta validate the buyer. You gotta make sure they're, they're able to purchase at a certain price and they're able to go in firm. Right, so tell me about what, what you do for first-time home buyers, or what uh, what do you recommend for them? Yeah, for a seller's market like we have, where uh, we see a lot of the first-time home buyers uh, sitting at a disadvantage position because mm -hmm. the fact that they're they they already know they're going to go into a scenario where there's going to be multiple offers. They know mm -hmm. coming in that it's going to be over asking. Now, how much over asking sometimes is, is a big big question mark. But one of the things that we go through with our pre-qualifications that we do confirm the income from the client. So we have the documentation up front, make sure that we have access to uh, their pay stubs, their T4s, their down payment source, so where the, the money's coming from. So if the down payment is coming from overseas, it's very, very important that we know that you know when it's gonna come here, where it's coming from, because we have to track it for anti-money laundering purposes. We qualify the, uh, the credit history. Now, what that tells us when we give um, an advantage on the pre-qualification, our pre-qualified clients, we understand that they have the capacity to borrow at a certain point. We know what the maximum purchase price they can uh, they can purchase, and the only question mark that's left is your expertise, basically the property. Now, this is where we lean on them and the real estate experts to say, "Hey, Sonny, I know that if you buy something for a million dollars, the only question that we have is that." We, we want to know that it's gonna come in uh, appraised at a million dollars. Now, we always get the question on the condition of financing uh, uh, component of it. It's always a good idea to have a condition of financing, but with the current market, um, that condition of financing is so, so stressed. Not everybody yeah. can go through um, successfully on a purchase with a condition of financing. And not to mention the risks, right? So when you're, you're buying a property and you're buying it firm, um, let's just say you can't close on it. There's consequences associated with that. There's legal ramifications. You can lose your deposit. Uh, you, there's, you know, and these are things that need to be explained to buyers, right? So sometimes I see buyers not being told these things, or, or they're being told to just go and firm, but that the consequences aren't being dictated to them. So I, I think buyers, you guys need to be careful. Um, if you're going to go and firm, you got to make sure you're definitely comfortable with the, the legal ramifications if you can't close on it, and you need to know the drawbacks as well. 
But in today's market, Ray, I'll be honest with you, if you're not going in firm, you're not getting the home. So right? for those clients that we have that maybe unfortunately due to the pandemic uh, are not able to buy today because we, we find that some of them have had to use their savings that they were earmarking for down payment because of the, maybe because of job loss or reduced income, they end up using up some of that savings. Now they have to, for a period of time, maybe replenish it, maybe rent for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, not a lot of people know that realtors actually can help um, I guess people, the public, uh, get their uh, rental properties, or sorry, get uh, the next lease for, for them. Can you tell me what the process looks like for them? Oh, for sure. Uh, so I actually do a lot of leases as well. Uh, it's how I started my business, it's how I grew my database. Leases are very similar to the actual buying process. Yeah. The, the paperwork's very similar, the entire process is very similar. So pretty much uh, for our clients, we'll send them listings, um, the ones that they like, we'll book showings for them, we'll go out and take a look at them. And when the clients like the properties, we put an offer in, right? But it's like buying a house, you have to be prepared. So what I always tell clients is, get your paperwork. You know, you get your, get your pay stubs, fill out your rental application, pull your Ecofax report. So when you do find that right property, and if you are going in a multiple, uh, multiple offer situation, at least you have all your stuff ready and you can present it and, and increase your chances of getting that property. Do they have to put any money together to make sure that they have some level of deposits or sort? So typically first and last is a given. Uh, first, most, first and last is what you're gonna be paying. Your, and so that's your deposit. So once the offer is accepted, you're gonna be giving that uh, first and last deposit within 24 hours. It's very similar to the buying process of a house as well, right? And sometimes um, landlords may ask for a security deposit. That can be attached to your initial deposit or you can do that on the day of occupancy, now, right? Being the expert, uh, I know that you mentioned earlier that it's a tough, uh, a tough market for buyers right now. What's your read on the rental market? So if you're a potential, I guess a potential tenant, uh, are you in a position of strength or no different than a the current buyer, you're going to compete for a, a good property to rent? So that, my answer to that varies. It honestly depends on the type of property and where it is. Yeah. Um, the the re properties are still renting. But certain areas, such as downtown Toronto, I saw that the, the rental market did go down. Um, and then it's obviously COVID related. People were moving outside of Toronto or people didn't want to be cooped up inside of condos. They wanted to have that outdoor space because now your home is technically your workplace, it's your school, it's, it's everything, yeah. right? So condos, but it's also a great time um, to go downtown. So for people that were, they weren't in that, that bracket or they weren't able to afford it, they're getting Beautiful condos. I have I had a client of mine. He just got a place in uh, the Bisha the Bisha Hotel, okay. right? So he's gotten a beautiful uh, view. Gets to see the CN Tower. He gets to see the lake. He has an unobstructed south, east, and west view, and he's paying remarkably less than what it would at least pre-COVID. Wow. So great time to capitalize on that. But um, going further to that, if you're going to if you're going outside of Toronto. I didn't see a big difference. The rental, rental market is still very strong, huge demand for rentals, and the prices are still very, very strong. So there is actually uh, bidding wars on uh, some rentals in the outskirts as well. Now, right. I, I, know, I, I know you fairly well, I've known you for a while, and I know mm. that your family are, are entrepreneurs. I know your family are into the restaurant business and right. such. Uh, being business for self, how has, uh, how has the pandemic affected uh, your, your family business? So, I mean, my, if you guys don't know, my dad owns a restaurant in Mississauga. He's owned it for over 20 years. Um, it has affected the business. I mean, 
there's no there's no more dining, and the way we, the way he operates has changed as well. He's operating it more lean, he's, uh, so less staff, decrease your cost, and then um, it's predominantly takeout. That's like the only thing you can do, right? But I mean, every small business, a lot of small businesses are hurting right now. Um, we just keep keep going through it, guys. I mean, hopefully this this ends soon. And um, tell me how the, how's, how has that affected mortgages though? I know there's also self people that out there that are self-employed and they want to buy a property or people that um, have applied for CERB. That also impacts and affects how you apply for a mortgage. So Ray, please tell me and tell our viewers about that and how it works. Now, a lot of the government subsidies and government support that are out there obviously are, are intended for people that's been affected by uh, the pandemic. Now, what the expectation is from the lender perspective is that it's, if you're currently business for self or um, uh, employed, any subsidy that you get from the government are obviously good to subsidize or to, to cover your current expenses. But unfortunately, for mortgage purposes, lenders are looking at those as a negative uh, uh, component to your income. What, me what that means is that the fact that you're taking any subsidies from the government actually will limit your ability to borrow. Unfortunately, that being the case, please take the, the that subsidy um, because it'll help you for your expenses, but unfortunately that will not help you borrow a uh, borrow bigger mortgage or borrow to purchase a property. Right. There's obviously a lot of people out there that want to buy their first property. Hmm. Let, let's kind of touch base with regards to first time home buyers and uh, the financing aspect of it. Yeah. And then we can also talk about like closing costs and um, maybe even like what condo fees are and how that affects their mortgage. Uh, you know, how that affects them to be able to get approved for a mortgage as well, yeah. right? First-time home buyers obviously has uh, a number of advantages. One is RSPs. So you can, a home buyer plan will allow you to take your RSPs that's, uh, that you've saved in there without uh, being taxed, up to $35,000 per individual. So if there's two borrowers, $75,000, so $35,000 for each one. Um, it's repayable back for, for the next 15 years, but it's interest-free. It's like lending yourself that money and you're gonna repay it back. Now, there's a component of the land transfer tax cost. Right. There's, there's a certain part of it that will be uh, re rebated back if you're a first-time home buyer. Mm -hmm. There's the first-time home buyer incentive. So it's like a, a shared equity plan. What happens is that um, you're able to borrow or receive 5% or 10% of your uh, current purchase price, and you can use that for down additional down payment. Now, it has to be a high ratio deal, which basically means that your down payment has to be less than 20%, including the 5% or 10% that you're receiving. Um, for resale properties, there's only 5%. For new build properties, it's either 5% or 10%. Um, there's a number of incentives that are, that are out there, such as tax breaks and such, when you're a first-time home buyer. But like anything else, those are good avenues to be able to take advantage of. Um, you asked about, uh, oh, condos, condo right. fees. Yes, uh, any expenses such as condo fees, property tax, utility costs, along with the mortgage, future mortgage payments are calculated into overall equation that we have. Hmm. Um, what happens is that you, the, the higher the condo fees, uh, maybe the potential lower cost of borrowing uh, is available. So I, I always get a question, it's like, Sonny, what are condo fees? And why are we paying them? Like, what's the whole purpose of this? To simplify it, condo fees, if, let's just take a high-rise condo. So the unit itself is what you own. You'll own that unit, you own a locker or a parking spot associated with that condo. And then the entire building in itself, uh, you're gonna have common elements. So common elements will include any amenities that you have, hallways, parking, and everyone in that building owns those units collectively. So those are called your common elements. 
So you own your unit, but everyone else collectively owns the common elements. So your condo fees are actually that you're paying for basically the maintenance of those spaces or um, for concierge service, service or any amenities that you have in the actual building, right? But that's the whole purpose of a condo and the, you know, the common elements there, right? Now, yeah. obviously condos are, are a type of product that uh, that's there available predominantly in the GTA and I think they're, they're starting to build more and more outside mm -hmm. of the GTA. But there's been a shift in the market. I've started doing pre-approvals uh, starting when, when the pandemic started. We started doing pre-approvals everywhere, anywhere from Cambridge, London, Stony Creek, uh, Barrie, Aurelia, and then you're you're looking at the cottage countries area. So right. cottage con cottage country area. Now, from your perspective. Um, have you seen a shift out of the downtown Toronto core into those more remote area? And why do you think that is? No, oh, 100%. Since I, I would definitely say when COVID started, um, I had a lot of clients that lived in the core downtown area. And I started getting phone calls like, hey, Sonny, we're thinking of selling or we want to, you know, they're, they're, they were either renting their place and they want to move out somewhere else. And, and it comes back to the whole thing. Basically, when you're working from home and you're working out from home and you're, you know, like you're, your home right now during COVID is your predominant area that you spend most of your time in. It's pretty much where you do everything now. We're limited with what we can do and where we can go. So I started, uh, people basically wanted to get more space or they wanted to have outdoor space or they needed space, more space for their kids, right? So obviously when you're moving out, you're, the theory in theory, you're getting something for less cost or something cheaper because the GTA is a bit more pricier. Right? So I have clients that trans transition to Stony Creek, uh, people going to like Kitchener, going to London, uh, even as far out as Windsor, right? And you're working from home. It doesn't, it doesn't, really, doesn't really matter where you're working because everything's online now. I mean, we, we've been doing a lot of Zoom calls lately as well, right? And um, yeah, so even cottages. There's clients, I've basically showed client, uh, cottages up in Prince Edward County, Caring Place, up at uh, close to Sable Beach, Tobermory, and people want, they want a cottage. They want like a nice space and a you know, place to relax and work and then um, use for recreational purposes as well. So I definitely a huge demand there. I found that uh, some of the cottages are not just secondary properties anymore. It's not like, it's not like a weekend stop at the cottage and then go back to the GTA and work. I, yeah. it's, I've had clients come and, and, and get pre-approved and they use the cottage area properties right. as their main primary residence. Oh, 100%, I, definitely. I mean, think about it. Imagine waking up in the morning, you get your cup of coffee and you're just sitting by the lake, you know, like why not get a lakeside property? Why not get a cottage, right? You're, you're stress-free, you have more space, you're further out. Uh, in theory, it'll cost you less. So you have more money in your pocket if you're selling in GTA and move it further out, right? And you get to enjoy the, your actual space that you live in. But um, no, it's, it's interesting you touch, touch on that though. And it's definitely one of the changes we've seen uh, post-COVID or during COVID. So I, I know that, uh, I'm not really sure whether or not you're a millennial or not, but everybody cannot ignore that, that big, big uh, portion of, of, of our population, the millennials. So they, there's a lot of them and they're uh, at home buying uh, um, age now. Now, when it comes to the millennials, as far as you know, right. um, 
it used to be that you know we categorize millennials you know looking for where the bars are or right. where the where the entertainment uh, uh, sports complex are where the games are going mm-hmm. where the theaters are and all that kind of stuff has there been a change in 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 their buying habits on where they want to live is it still right downtown core because that's where the happening places are or have you seen any change on where they they want to move now i've definitely seen a huge change um downtown core was a place to be it's basically you know you finish work you go out you hit the bars you meet your friends um weekends you know there's nightlife uh sporting events there's always something to do down in core downtown core right now because we don't have that there people their, their priorities are starting to change. They're moving out, and especially with a lot of my friends, I've seen seen them going to the suburbs, right? So yeah, you know what? When they're working downtown, they live downtown, but now they're buying places in Mississauga and Oakville, you know, Burlington, just moving further out. Part of that also has to do with affordability. It's sad to say the pr- the price of homes is so high right now that even if you're making six figure, uh, making a six figure salary, you're having a hard time affording a home. So a lot of the friends or a lot of my clients that are uh, millennials or you know in that in that age group where they're buying their first property, they actually had to borrow their down payment from their parents. Um, a lot of people that want to buy houses are actually they're out of the market. They're they're having a hard time being able able to afford a property. So the the roles are starting to change where you know kids would want to leave their house and be like oh we want to move out and now they they can't leave and they're you know now the parents want them to leave. It's kind of like hey get the hell out of here man like but. You're seeing, you're seeing a lot of people living with their parents for a longer period of time just because they can't afford, right? Yeah. And it's really, really difficult, you know, to buy your first property. Definitely, uh, definitely with today's market though. Now, obviously we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Being the real estate expert, we're into 2021. Where do you see real estate market? Uh, where do you see the real estate market going right now? So to answer your question, no one has a crystal ball, right? In theory, I thought, you know, when the pandemic started, I'm like, oh man, prices are gonna drop, great time to buy, let's just hold off. Complete opposite, it just prices have skyrocketed, right? Um, so for 2021, it's hard to say, but from, from what I've been seeing and what I've been reading, I have a feeling that the prices are gonna continue to go up. And with, given what's happening right now, there's no inventory. So right now, I just, uh, just had just a few days ago, I sold a property, highest sold in the entire complex in that area. Right. I actually had a thank you. I appreciate it. I actually had a call from the appraiser. He's kind of like, man, what do I do? Like, you know, there's no comparables to this property. Right. But um, yeah, definitely. I have a feeling the prices are going to keep going up. I don't know at what rate, but um, let's hopefully it slows down a little bit so people can start buying and, you know, have more inventory to choose from. But let's see what happens. So let's say yeah. I'm a buyer. I saw your 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 nice website. I saw your signs everywhere. I pick up the phone and say, hey, Sonny. When is a good time to buy? It's a hard question. It's also when's a good time to sell, right? And we get asked we get asked these questions all the time. Um, right now, it's definitely a seller's market. They, if you have an extra property um, and you're thinking of selling or you've thought about selling, I would say now is definitely a time to sell. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. No one knows what's going to happen tomorrow, but I can tell you what's happening today. So definitely, if you're looking to sell, sell right now. I think if you're buying, you're going to be really frustrated. Uh, and I'm seeing that. I'm seeing a lot of buyers getting frustrated. They're losing out on multiple offers. And the entire home buying process, it becomes frustrating and it, it, it takes a toll on you, right? So if that's the case or if you're experiencing that, take a break. I'd say take a few weeks off and just start the process again. Hopefully in the spring market, we do get more inventory. Uh, multiple offers will get might go down, may, may or may not. But um, you'll definitely have more inventory and you'll probably be able to choose from a wider selection. 
That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, it's no different than our pre-approvals. We see our pre-approvals time and time again have to, you know, replenish, you know, well, we need more, we need a higher purchase price or our pre-approvals, they're basically saying we don't, you know, we can't have a condition of financing. Yeah. And you're right, it's, it's really a stressful time for buyers and uh, a lot of patience and a lot of hard work and a lot of, you know, maybe whine and and and, and move on to the next day. So right. uh, I agree, buyers right now are, are, are definitely um, are, are hard pressed to go find uh, the properties and they're definitely seeing lots of multiple offers and competing for, for a lot of properties. So if you're a buyer today, I, I definitely, definitely suggest, you know, making sure that you're coming in there with a real estate professional like and, and certainly uh, make sure that you set the right expectation. You, it, need, it needs a lot of work, it needs a lot of right. uh, patience, but you're, you're gonna get there. You're gonna you know, buy a property and certainly the pride of home ownership and a lot of benefits coming in with home ownership is still, it's still there today. You yeah, know, that's 100%. where we feel, you know, where our clients are secured. We, we feel that the clients will you know, be able to build you know, equity and, and economic benefits or, of, owning, of owning a home. So there are certain things that we can do to mitigate the risk uh, when you're buying a home. We know that the trend right now is firm offers, which means that you're not putting any conditions or clauses in there, right? So you're, um, you're avoiding the financing condition, which is meant to protect you. You're not putting in home inspection, but what can you do to offset that risk? Get a home inspection done prior to you buying the property, right? It may cost you a few hundred dollars, but it's, it's kind of like an insurance, uh, you know, it's, let's just say, God forbid, you buy the property and you find out there's something wrong with it. I would rather spend that three, four hundred dollars prior to, and figure out that there's an issue rather than buying a property and being stuck with it later or not having the the money to fix the problem after, right? So one good thing is I'm very grateful the fact that me doing all those flips and uh, you know bu buying a lot of properties, I started to learn a lot of this stuff. I'm not a home inspector, but I mean I am able to witness certain things or see red flags, um, and I will always tell my clients, get a home, get a professional, get someone in, and let's take a look at a property. And um, you know we've done that in the past, and we've put in firm offers. But we did our homework, we did our research prior to, and we try to mitigate those risks, right? Sonny, I know that you know it's definitely tough being a buyer today. So, do you have any suggestions that uh, buyers should know going in that they should basically put on, whether or not it's conditions, and is there anything else that they need to keep in track? Yeah, we we touched base on you know getting your financing sorted out prior to going out for searching homes. Um, it also helps out because you know what your max budget is. You know where you got to cap off, right? Uh, home inspections, if you can't do them after, uh, if you can't put the clause in, just go with the home inspector prior to or maybe even a contractor and get them to come in and take a look prior to putting an offer in, right? But sometimes people overlook certain things. We focus a lot on price. Price is going to be one of the determinants of which offer is accepted. But there's other things you can negotiate on as well. You have conditions, uh, you have a closing date, and even the deposit, right? So a closing date, let's just say the seller wants an earlier closing date, right? And you're putting a closing in three months later. And there's another offer that's similar uh, in price or maybe slightly even lower. They may take that other offer because they want an earlier closing date. So don't always dwell on just price. Um, there's other factors you can talk about as well or other factors you can negotiate on as well to make your offer more appealing. Um, that's something obviously realtors, we, we try to be intuitive and we try to figure out what it is. Uh, it's all about expanding the pie, right? Now, coming down to deposits, I've seen an increase in deposits and a lot of sellers are asking for larger deposits. In certain areas, I've seen people put $500 deposits on purchase of homes. 
Um, but now the rule of thumb in GTA, where a lot of agents are using, is about 5%. So if you're buying a property for about 800,000, you know, 40,000 is typically what they'd be looking for or asking for. Um, it's not set in stone, there's no rule, but it's, it's just what you've been seeing from trends. So a higher deposit does benefit the seller as well because it mitigates risk. So if a buyer doesn't close on a property and they breach contract, they could potentially keep that deposit. So a higher deposit would be more secure. And now, sometimes I get buyers thinking that they know everything. They, they can negotiate their own deals, that they wanna look and, and, and offer directly to the selling agent. What's your suggestion? So if you're, if you're a realtor yourself, and let's say you're not on the listing side, if I have a buyer that says, I can negotiate better than, than, than a realtor, what, what would you say to that? So, you know what, so we're, we live in the information age, right? I mean, I, I know people that think they're doctors. Like my mom's always on WhatsApp and she's always telling me these home remedies you know, or medicinal remedies because she's reading it up on WhatsApp. So um, we are definitely in the information age. We do get to read a lot of content. And pe you know what, buyers now are more informed. But a realtor, well, the stuff that realtors do now is not what it used to be before. It's not like we're driving you around, showing you different houses, or that we have access to information that you don't you can see everything that we see for the most part, right? But it's us protecting you. It's us knowing the conditions. It's us knowing the market. It's us knowing, having the connections with you know, different mortgage agents or the entire process. And that's, that's what we do, right? We're here to protect you. We're gonna make sure you try to pay the least amount when you're buying and try to get you the highest amount when you sell. And um, there's gonna be people, questions like a lot of agents, a lot of realtors get asked is how much do you charge when you list? And there's gonna be people out there that charge a lot less. And I've noticed a lot of realtors are part-time. Um, and you know, I've got some friends that, that have full-time jobs and they have their license, so they're, they're part-time realtors. In today's market, I highly suggest you get a full-time realtor. The market's changing dramatically. And you need to be up to date, and you need to know what's going on in each individual market. One more thing I would definitely wanna to touch on is when you're buying a property, the perception is that if you go directly to the listing agent, you'll get a better deal. So I'm not a big advocate of that. The reason being is, it's a conflict of interest, right? How can someone who's representing the sellers and representing the buyer say, tell the sellers that I'm gonna get you the most money in your pocket, I'm gonna try to sell it for the highest amount. But then the same person, the same agent's gonna tell the buyers, I'm gonna try to get it, to, get it for you for the lowest amount, right? That, that doesn't exist. So always, the listing agent predominantly works for the sellers, right? I always recommend that buyers get a separate realtor. Um, let them represent you on the buying end. Right? Let them try to get you the best deal. Let them try to take care of you and make sure you're covered and mitigate any risks that may happen and just guide you along the process, right? And definitely, like, when it comes down to financing, Raymond, you're definitely a go-to guy. Um, you know, I've gone to Raymond for my personal deals in the past and uh, we'll continue to go to him. And um, yeah, you know what? Just call, call your guys and make sure you get informed and make sure you know what's going on, right? So. I know that, that you're very experienced, you're very trusted uh, realtor. What is the sunny Ajla advantage when it comes to selling a home? So I'll be honest with you, like the thing with me is a lot of my business is spheres of influence and referrals. I think that's the best way of doing business and it's me, it, it is sunny Ajla, right? So um, it, it's kind of cool because I remember we touched base about the flips that I've done in the past. So the renovations, I actually got to incorporate that in my business. And what's happened is I grew a team of uh, different contractors, different trades, and I've got a guy that's on my payroll as well, where anytime we list a property and we need to touch anything up, 
Uh, he'll come in, he'll fix anything up. So when you're selling, you're making sure that the house is in tip-top condition, right? Uh, even in the last year and a half, I have my own in-house stager. So we have a stager that works just with me. She's exclusive to, uh, to Sunny Angela. Uh, we also rent as well, but we have in-house staging, we have uh, contract services, uh, full marketing, and um, you, you get to work with me, right? <laughs> but um, I definitely just try to be honest and I try to be genuine, that's all it is. And a lot of people just, they relate to me or they you know they just like my personality, they like work, they like the entire experience. I like to treat every client as my friend. And I give them my all and I try to honestly give them the best service I can and uh, try to make them happy, right? I, I well, definitely, I can definitely attest to that. The, yeah. the Sunny Angela advantage, because <laughs> I've seen, I've seen the pictures, I've seen the videos, I've right. seen you talk about the property when you're marketing it. So mm -hmm. certainly you, you definitely, you know, you, you don't skimp out on, on, on the quality of the pictures. You don't skip out on, on the quality of the video and having you there talk about the property and market it to your sphere of influence and everybody, everything else, everybody else in the, in the, in the area that may be interested. I've seen, I've seen it, I've seen the success. And like, as you mentioned earlier, oh, you. higher, highest sold on the street is always nice to hear when you're oh, the seller. Yeah, I know I've definitely, definitely broke a few records last year, but um, you know what? You put in the efforts to get the results. Right, so um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that. You just gotta work hard and uh, make sure you know what you're doing. So coming back to the pictures, it's become very, very important having high quality videos and high quality pictures. A lot of people, when they look for houses, they're actually looking online. And um, you know, they'll be, they'll be on their tablets or be on your phone, going on realtor.ca. And if you don't have good pictures, like I've seen some listings where people have taken pictures on their cell phone. I don't think you're doing your clients justice. So pictures 100% are definitely gonna be probably one of the most important things about your listing. Um, we keep forgetting the fact that we're in a pandemic. So with COVID, we're not allowed to do open houses currently. So if you can't do open houses, you, you wanna have nice virtual tours, you wanna have video walkthroughs, cause that's gonna be your first step into getting a buyer to look at your place, right? So um, 100%, um, get, get beautiful pictures, get make sure it's, your marketing is on point and um, staging has to be there as well. You have to make sure the property is staged nicely and you, the buyer needs to envision themselves living in that house. Right, so we put a lot of detail into that, uh, even down to like the smell of the house. We choose different fragrances because psychologically, I've been told that buyers, if they smell food or they smell certain type of smells, they can envision themselves cooking in the kitchen. I mean, that may or may not be true, but it's worked in the past for me. So we're gonna continue to use that concept there. So, so. can you tell me any other services that you're able to provide to, to your sellers? Definitely. Uh, one thing that definitely differentiates myself from a lot of realtors out there is gonna be a service that I offer. So if you're selling a house and your house needs work, I'll actually spend the money, get the right guys in there, um, whether if it's flooring, painting, lighting, and get all the work done by, by licensed professional individuals and get it done at a discounted price. So you're gonna sell your house, you're not gonna pay anything, I'm gonna take care of all that cost up front and take care of all the headache for you. And what, what, how does that benefit you? The biggest benefit is you put no money in and you're gonna to get top dollar for your house. So if, let's just say you had a property that would have sold for six, 605 as is um, and we put in about $10,000 up front uh, and we put in about $10,000 worth of work in your house and we're able to get you 650 or 660, that benefits you almost over $30,000, right? So that's definitely been a huge thing. Uh, we've done that for multiple properties last year and um, clients couldn't believe it. They're just like, Sonny, like, how do you do this? Like, we don't understand. And how fast we, my guys come and do it. 
we were able to do flooring, trims, painting, and change lights in a matter of four days sometimes, right? But um, with today's market, honestly, you just gotta make sure everything's on point. And if you guys wanna take advantage of that service I offer, definitely give me a call and I can definitely elaborate on it and tell you more about it. So Raymond, I know certain buyers that wanna get properties and they may have the income, um, but because if they're self-employed or because of certain circumstances, they can't get their mortgage approved by a bank or a lender. So tell us about certain uh, products or uh, other lenders that we can use. Now, the advantage of dealing with a mortgage agent such as me, uh, we have access to 60 plus lenders. So we do categorize them into A lenders, B lenders, private money, and commercial, uh, commercial lending. Now, at any given time, we want to be at the A lender scenario if you've got good confirmed income, good credit history, you've got excellent down payment, it's, and the affordability in terms of how much you can uh, borrow that you want to borrow is well within the scope of what your income is. So when it comes to business for self individuals, sometimes you have the ability to, to lower your taxable income by, by having some expenses. Now that being the case, on the A lender side, when we're talking about big financial institutions such as banks, credit unions, and such, um, it may not, they might not look at that income the same way as a B lender would. So sometimes, giving, giving us the opportunity to look at those specific clients, a business for self clients, still we, we have an opportunity to put an option over to them, an option for them, when it comes to uh, the B lender side. One more thing. So Raymond, I bought a house about a year ago and I remember I, got, I thought I had an amazing interest rate. I'm like, you know what, 3%, I fixed my mortgage. Looking now, I'm like, oh man, I should never have fixed my mortgage. I should have uh, just kept it variable. What are the penalties and how does that work? And um, what is the going interest rate now? Now the going interest rate right now, if you're for a primary residence, it's definitely gonna be under 2%. Okay. Now, if you're looking at a committed term within a certain bank, uh, you may be exposed to three months interest or what we call interest rate differential. Now, when it comes down to it, uh, one way for us to evaluate whether or not it makes sense to break a high interest rate, interest rate that starts with a 3%, let's say, three plus, um, it's, it's getting the penalty associated with breaking it and then comparing that over to the, uh, the effective rates that we can offer today. So if it's a scenario where the interest rate along with the penalty has an ultimate advantage for the client, then we go through with it. If it's a scenario where um, the penalty is too much, right. it's not an advantage. Sometimes it does make sense to wait until the term is done and then we'll help the client accordingly. So the current interest rates are some of the lowest I've seen during my whole time in real estate. Yeah. What do you recommend, locking your rate in or uh, just keeping it variable? The interest rate right now, are the, the gap between a fixed rate and a variable rate are not very big. So there's definitely merits to going with a long-term fix if you know you're gonna stay in that property. But at the same time, the variable gives us uh, an easier exit strategy or a better exit strategy because the penalty on the variable rate mortgage is always three months interest. So if you are on a five-year variable versus a five-year fix and two years into your term, a five-year fix will likely give you a higher penalty compared to the five-year variable. So um, a five-year variable will give you a better flexibility, but at the same time, the fix rate will give you the, the peace of mind. So there's really no fixed answer or, or one answer for that, that, mm -hmm. that covers everyone, but both rates, fixed or variable, are really low, so you really can't go wrong at this point. So Raymond, I really want to thank you for this opportunity to come in. Um, I know you're a busy guy, so I'm very blessed to have some time with you today. If any of you guys have any mortgage-related questions or are in the process of looking to buy, buy a property, I definitely recommend you give Raymond a call. 
And um, Raymond, what's the best way to get in touch with you? And you can either give me a call at, at my number or send me an email at Raymond at Expert Mortgage Agents with an S dot CA. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. If you guys ever have any questions, real estate or mortgage related, if we haven't touched on any topics that you would like us to discuss, please let me know. You can either text me or email me and we'll definitely bring them up in our future videos.